Hey guys, welcome back to Sarah Says, the weekly podcast with me, Sarah, CEO and Chief Scrunchy Enthusiast over at Sackman Studios, talking about whatever it is that's on my mind. This week, look, I know, I know, it's technically middle of October. I was thinking, is it middle or middle end? It's middle end of October. Um, but really, it's never too early for me. Countdown to Christmas on Hallmark Channel starts this Friday, just a couple more days. Um, so this week, I thought I would give a short list of my favorite Christmas books to read. To get you in the spirit, I am already on my second one this month, which will be detailed in the October wrap-up podcast next week. Um, I have a couple more. <laughs> I have a couple more uh, that I will be reading this year, and I'm literally looking at a stack that I've had for two years now and I also have not read. So anyway, let's start getting into the Christmas spirit, guys. Oh, I cannot wait. Hello, Thanksmas is upon us, everyone. It's almost Halloween. Thanksgiving is around the corner. <sighs> and the blessed jingle bells. Let's go. So to start, I thought I would detail the 2021 releases. Um, these ones that I have either read or I plan on reading. Um, just to, we'll start with the new and then we'll work our way back. So the first book that I read, the full rundown is going to be in the October wrap-up podcast next week by Mary Kay Andrews. And I've never read any of her books before, but a few of them have caught my eye recently. Uh, is called The Santa Suit came out September 28th of this year, 224 pages. It reads, I'll just give the descriptions of them, but if you want my full review on this one, it will be coming out next week in the October wrap-up. Uh, this says, when newly divorced Ivy Perkins buys an old farmhouse sight unseen, she is definitely looking for a change in her life. The Four Roses, as the farmhouse is called, is a labor of love, but Ivy didn't bargain on just how much labor. The previous family left so much furniture and so much junk that it's a full-time job sorting through all of it. At the top of a closet, Ivy finds an old Santa suit, beautifully made and decades old. In the pockets of a suit, she finds a note written in a childish hand. It's from a little girl who has one Christmas wish, and that is for her father to return home from the war. This discovery sets Ivy off on a mission. Who wrote the note? Did the man ever come home? What mysteries did the Rose family hold? Ivy's quest brings her into the community at a time when all she wanted to do was be left alone and nurse her wounds. But the magic of Christmas makes miracles happen, and Ivy just might find more than she ever thought possible. A welcoming town, a family reunited, a mystery solved, and a second chance at love. So, um, full rundown again next week. But um, I liked this book. I wish it had been longer uh, because I feel like there were plot holes in it. But overall, to start it out the Christmas season, early um, early October, it was good, very fast read, and had a surprise ending that I should have figured out but didn't. Uh, currently, I am reading The Holiday Swap by Maggie Knox. This came out October 5th of this year, 352 pages. So this is a full-blown Christmas book. I will probably be buying this one. I was tagged in an Instagram post about it, I think right when it came out. And the, um, one of my uh, friends tagged me in it saying, this reminds me of a Hallmark movie. I was like, oh yeah, it's a, so I read the synopsis. I'm like, oh yeah, it's kind of like the Christmas switch, which I think is the title. It's, yeah, Switch for Christmas, Christmas Switch. Anyway, it's Candace Cameron Bure from a couple of years ago, which I really loved that movie. And in some ways it is, in a lot of ways it's not, but it's it's so cute. Um, there will be more of an in-depth rundown of this in the wrap-up because I started it last night and I made it through 120 pages, if that tells you anything. Uh, I'm over 200 pages into it now and... Look, I'm recording this podcast and then I'm trying hard to get back to finish this book tonight because it's really good. It reads, um, when Chef, Chef, <laughs> sorry, I hate when they put CH words next to each other, but it's the different, anyway, when Chef Charlie Goodwin gets hit on the head on 
the L.A. set of her reality baking show. She loses a lot more than consciousness. She also loses her ability to taste and smell, both critical to her success as a show judge. Meanwhile, Charlie's identical twin, Cass, is frantically trying to hold her own life together back in their quaint mountain hometown while running the family's bustling bakery and dealing with her ex, who won't give that, give the memo, who won't get the memo that they're over. Wow, I am bungling this. With only days until Christmas, a desperate Charlie asks Cass to do something they haven't done since they were kids, switch places. Looking for her own escape from reality, Cass agrees. But temporarily trading lives proves more complicated than they imagined, especially when rugged firefighter Jake Greenman and gorgeous physician assistant Miguel Rodriguez are thrown into the mix. Will the twins' identity swap be a recipe for disaster, or does it have all the right ingredients for getting their lives back on track? I... I'm absolutely loving this book. Oh my God, Jake and Miguel, they are cuties. I love Charlie and Cass. Um, basically, we count down the 12 days of Christmas. Each chapter is their perspective of that day. Um, you know, it only has 27 reviews and four stars, so I will definitely be leaving a good review of it. So I guess guess I'm going to have to buy it. Um, but I am loving this one. What I plan to read next have not gotten to, and I will have to buy it uh, for Kindle because uh, it is not showing up on the Libby app. So far, I read The Santa Suit and The Holiday Swap, both through the Libby app, is Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. Tessa Bailey wrote It Happened One Summer, which was a huge hit this year. I read it a couple weeks ago. Absolutely love love. So as soon as I read that book and I looked her up, I saw this. I was like, ah, she's writing a Christmas one. I can't wait. 243 pages came out yesterday, October 19th. I, so I've like been counting down the days, but I need to get through my book backlog that I have going on right now. It says, two weeks before Christmas and all through Manhattan, shop windows are decorated in red and green satin. I'm standing alone in front of the famous Vivint Vivant, yeah, department store, when a charming man named Aiden asked my opinion of the decor. It's a tragedy in tinsel, I say, unable to lie. He asked for a better idea with a twinkle in his eye. Did I know he owned the place? No. He put me on the spot. Now I'm working for the man, trying to ignore that he's hot. <laughs> I did not know this was all going to rhyme. I love this. But as a down-on-her-luck girl with a difficult past, I know an opportunity when I see one, and I have to make it last. I'll put my heart and soul into dressing his holiday windows. I'll work without stopping. And when we lose the battle with temptation, I'll try and remember I'm just window shopping. Oh, this is going to be so freaking cute. I, I cannot wait to read that. Also on my list is A Convenient Christmas by Jody Holford. It part of the Isn't It Sweet series. This says it will be on the Kindle Unlimited. Um, so I hope I can also just read it via Kindle. 211 pages. I did say it came out November 1st, right? You know what? I had an extra iced coffee at 3.30, so let's blame that. Um, this reads, Abigail Smith loves Christmas so much she made it her business. Whether it's simple whether it's simple gift wrapping or arranging a sit-down feast, clients of A Convenient Christmas can count on Abby to meet all of their holiday needs. When her oldest and dearest client hires her to add a little cheer to her son's life, Abby is up for the challenge until he fires her. Finn Edinbury, Edinbury is too busy trying to get through the holiday season to enjoy it. The divorced dad is not looking forward to spending this year alone since his daughter Melody will be with his ex which might be why he overreacted when he found a beautiful tree-trimming woman in his living room. An unexpected change of plans means Finn will spend the holidays with his little girl after all. Finn turns to Abby with an apology and request, help him make Melody's Christmas magic. Magical. I think it's supposed to be magical. The Queen of Christmas can hardly say no, even if she still thinks he's a bit of a Scrooge. That is, until they spend time together. These two opposites end up wanting something for Christmas that neither of them expected each other. Uh, I've never read anything by Jodie Holford before. Saw an Instagram photo of it yesterday. I was like, ooh, brand new Christmas. And, you know, it's 211 pages. This is what I sort of love about Christmas books like this. Now, The Holiday Swap is a full-blown book, 352 pages. But uh, the other books are all in the 200s. And I love it because it's just a nice, fast, cute 
little read and like there's not a lot of drama involved so it's very very sweet can give you a toothache um i'm sure there are going to be others but those are the first four that i know about and also i will be watching a lot of movies so like am i gonna try to read other new christmas books out this year yes um but also i'm trying to remain um, realistic about how many I can get through on top of also watching like 98 movies. Yeah, that's fine. It's totally fine. (laughs) I can't do this. Oh my God. So we were going to talk about Anna Holidays. We're going to talk about Anna Holidays, but then I saw a book thing, like, you know, other, other things you might like, uh, called Falling Under the Mistletoe. I was like, oh, what's that one about? That came out last year, too. But then as I was scrolling down to read the description, y'all, y'all, <laughs> there is a book called Frost, <laughs> called <laughs> Frosting Her Christmas Cookies, a holiday romantic comedy, in parentheses, Frost Brothers. Five hundred and forty-four pages. <laughs> Came out last November seventh. <sighs> I have obviously not read this book. I feel like I need to though now. Okay. (laughs) Who has the time to read a 544 page Christmas book at Christmas time? We are, we have so many other things to do. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) that description reads, dear Santa, I do not want a frost brother for Christmas. In fact, I do not want anything for Christmas. No annoying Christmas carols, no holiday family drama, and no last-minute presents. And I certainly don't want to be a bachelorette in The Great Christmas Bake Off. Yes, in the spirit of holiday commercialism, the Bake Off is also a date off, and Jonathan Frost is the prize. I should be hiding away with the wine and snacks while waiting for Christmas to end. Instead, I'm wearing a reindeer mascot costume and pretending I'm oh so excited to meet New York City's most eligible billionaire bachelor. Just look at those blue eyes and six foot five tall frame. Don't you want to take him home for the holidays? Barf. Unlike the other bachelorettes, I refuse to debase myself and stroke some billionaire's ego. Instead, I threw a candy cane dildo <laughs> at his stupidly handsome face. Then I laughed when he yelled at me. Oh, okay, this keeps going here. Of course, Jonathan couldn't take the hint. He came around offering to put a little frosting on my Christmas cookies. I attempted to shank him with the spatula. He got offended and said that as a judge on the Great Christmas Bake Off, he was just trying to help. Sure. Not that I'm looking for holiday romance. Christmas is already a stressful time of the year without adding a billionaire in the mix. Between dodging bake-off sabotaging cousins, applying for a long-shot prestigious museum internship, and trying to survive being broke in Manhattan, I'm up to my black lipstick in my own special nightmare before Christmas. And it's making me wound tighter than a nutcracker. So when Jonathan offers to put some frosting on my cookies and a few other ornament-shaped parts, his washboard abs and sexy smirk start to seem like the perfect stress relief, especially when he offers himself all wrapped up in a bow. So no, dear Santa, I do not want Jonathan Frost, but I won't say no to his Christmas package. What did I just read? (laughs) It says, Frosting Her Christmas Cookies is a standalone holiday romantic comedy. If you love Christmas baking, hilarious holiday hijinks, (laughs) and a big, thick Christmas stocking, then pick up this full-length steamy romance novel. There are no cliffhangers, but there is a very merry Christmas ever after. (laughs) Oh, 
like <laughs> Christmas, but make it Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh my god! I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I might. I might. I might have to read that one. Just. <laughs> I can't. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Okay, let's let's get to the actual books that I have actually read. Who knows? We might we might pop in with another uh oh, another surprise one. Like a whole, although I don't know that anything I don't know that anything could be as surprising as that. Okay, now that I have recovered, oh my god, got y'all, jeez. Oh, just as I scroll down to Anna Holidays, there's another one of her. Eating, eating her Christmas cookies. Jesus Christ. Okay. Anyway, we're not even, we're just, we're not going there. Um, <laughs> okay. In the Holidays by Christina Lauren. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my God. Oh. Oh. Three hundred and thirty-six. Three hundred thirty-six pages came out October sixth of last year. I had not heard of Christina Lauren before this book, but I picked it up last year because around the December time frame was when I was like, you know, I would really love to read more books. So this was my first Christmas book of the season last year, and knocked it out of the park, smashed it, obsessed in love. I love this book. It reads, it's the most wonderful time of the year, but not for Malin Jones. She's living with her parents, hates her going nowhere job, and has just made a romantic air of epic proportions. But perhaps worst of all, this is the last Christmas May will be at her favorite place in the world, the snowy Utah cabin where she and her family have spent every holiday since she was born, along with two other beloved families. Mentally melting down as she drives away from the cabin for the final time, May throws out what she thinks is a simple plea to the universe. Please, show me what will make me happy. The next thing she knows, tires screech and metal collides, everything goes black. But when May gasps awake, she's on an airplane bound for Utah, where she begins the same holiday all over again. With one hilarious disaster after another sending her back to the plane, May must figure out how to break free of the strange time loop and finally get her true love under the mistletoe. Jam-packed with Yuletide cheer, an unforgettable cast of characters, and Christina Lauren's trademark downright hilarious hijinks, this swoon-worthy romantic read will make you believe in the power of wishes and the magic of the holidays. I honestly cannot say enough good things about this book. I know that I've mentioned it in passing before. Um... Oh, Jesus, I we should open up the app and the first two reviews is a two star and a one star. Excuse me? Okay. Um, a three star? Jeez. So, basically, May, well, it opens up and May and her family are leaving this cabin that family friends. So, it was three families, um day vacation together, have this cabin together, spend Christmas together, all of this. And she is in love with Andrew, which is one, uh, is they own the cabin and it's their oldest son. Uh, but they have decided they are selling the cabin and Andrew the night before has walked in and seen May kissing his little brother, uh, cause they were all drunk. Um, and now it is not telling me anywhere the little brother's name uh because she's like best friends with the little brother but she's always been in love with Andrew and um like she's also friends with Andrew but it's just different anyway um so she's just you know beside herself about the fact that that she had kissed her friend um and then finds out that Andrew had seen it and so he's like, yeah, you know me, you know, you and your, my brother. And she's like, what, what, like what? And then she finds out that his parents are selling the cabin. So they are driving back to the airport. It's her parents, her and her brother. Yeah. Yeah. Her brother. And, um, she's, you know, saying out to the universe, you know, like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. 
And she says, please tell me, like, show me what will make me happy. And then boom, car accident. Um, and now I kind of like jumped when I, like the car accident happens. Like, whoa, wait, did, did she die? No, of course she didn't die. She wakes up, she's on a plane right back, right back to the start of the holiday. And at first she's like, she knows about the car accident. She remembers the car accident. I was just like, oh my God, am I dead? And her brother is like, what is happening right now? That they're all very concerned about her. And they show up, her family tells everyone else like, hey, you know, like she's acting a little weird, but I don't know what's going on. Um, and, and so she starts off the holiday again. She's like, okay, I'm not going to make these mistakes. I forget what happens, but something happens pretty much right away. No. Yes. No. Makes it through a day. Whatever. Something happens. She ends up getting hurt again. It starts right back up again, right on the plane. And she's like, wait, what? (laughs) So she starts going through the process for a second time. And this time she's like, okay, I'm going to have everything nice and controlled. Everything's going to be great. She gets hurt and right back up again. And she's like, what, what do I have to do? And it either, I can't remember if it happens one more time. I was just getting ready to pull the book out so I could reread it again for the year. Uh, But it either happens one more time or that time she finally is like, you know what, whatever, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Like I, because every time I try to make things go the way that I think they're supposed to go, I end up getting hurt. Then I end up waking back up again. She and Andrew finally connect and it turns out that he's been in love with her uh for several years as well and it gets to this point where and she's told one of the family friends he um is single no kids and she's told him so because I feel like in time travel there's always one person that has to know uh so she's told him and it gets to this point where she's almost hit by a car just walking down the street. And then at the same time, something else immediately almost happens to her and she freaks out. And the friend is like, okay, it's fine. Calm down. And she's like, no, this universe, like I, you know, I'm going to screw it up. Like I thought, I, I thought maybe I was supposed to be with Andrew, but then this is happening. And Andrew's like, what is, what is going on? And so she tells him, look, I've relived this like three or four times by now. Uh, and of course he at first thinks she's crazy. Uh, but it all, it all ends well in the end. It's, it is really, it is so good. Um, it is a little spicy for Christina Lauren standards. It's really not that spicy of a book, but there is a little bit of spice to it, just so you know. Um, but I love this book. This is, I, ooh. I really go back and forth between this and the soulmate equation for which one is my favorite CL book. But, uh, I don't know. Like, you know, sometimes it's, it's in holidays and other times, uh, well, sometimes it's the soulmate equation. Anyway, highly, 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 highly recommend that you get this book and you read it. Like I would buy this book in a heartbeat. I would gift this book to people. That's how much I love this one. Okay, you know I had to. I had to go and see what this eating her Christmas cookie. I can't help it. <laughs> eating her Christmas cookies uh, apparently was... <laughs> Does she have devil? <laughs> no, I think it's... What on earth is on her head in there? Um, this was apparently the first one of the Frost Brothers Christmas whatever. This came out in 2018. It reads... Jack, in my perfect Chris, in my perfect world, it would always be winter and never Christmas. I despise the holiday. I hate Carol shopping and pretending to be a perfect family. I walked away from my family, or rather, they walked away from me. My heart is like ice. See it creeping up the walls. Oh wait, no, that's royal icing. I never should have allowed the Great Christmas Bake Off to film in my tower, and I never ever should have agreed to be a judge. Chloe, I love Christmas. I love sparkly window decorations, heartwarming holiday movies, and themed coffee. Most of all, I love Christmas baking. Even though his company is sponsoring the Bake Off show, billionaire Jack Frost claims he hates sweets. But after he tastes my goods, (laughs) oh god, I know he'll be begging for more. And when you know it, that night Jack Frost, Jack Frost, god, asked me to come up to his penthouse and give him a a special taste of my Christmas cookies. <laughs> Against my better judgment, I went. 
I baked him my signature gingerbread cookies, and of course he ate them up. It should have been a Christmas miracle, but Jack Frost couldn't have come into my life at a worse time. Not only am I broke, but this was my first Christmas after my Oma died. Someone is trying to sabotage me in the Great Christmas Bake Off. I'm being stalked by a mall Santa. Sleeping with one of the judges is a disaster waiting to happen. I needed Jack and his washboard abs about as much as I needed that third sticky bun. But when he says in his deep, sexy voice, Can you make me some more cookies? Well, stick a candy cane in me. I'm done. Eating her Christmas cookies is a standalone holiday novel. This full-length, seeming romance novel has no cliffhangers, but does have a very happily ever after. Y'all, I can't. Oh, God. By the way, that one is 476 pages. And while we're at it, we might as well just check out the last one here before we move on. Tasting Her Christmas Cookies, a holiday romantic comedy of the Frost Brothers. I swear to God, what is in all of their hair? It's a little red thing with the... I don't I don't know. Oh, maybe it's supposed to be a bow. Maybe it's a bow. Okay. Anyway. This one is 492 pages. Came out in 2019. So this is the second one. Uh, oh my God. Absolutely not. After the first taste of her Christmas cookies, I wanted to shove the whole thing in my face. The whole plate of cookies, that is. <laughs> not, <laughs> you know. What the hell? Christmas is bad enough without one of the great Christmas Bake Off contestants all wrapped up in a bow under my tree. Uh, I meant Christmas is horrible, right? Holly. Christmas is like the perfect sugar cookie. It slowly melts in your mouth, sweetening every taste bud, making you wish it could last forever. I love Christmas. I love the cheerful music and fun sweaters and the holiday lights. Most of all, I love Christmas cookies. Grouchy billionaire. How the heck are they all billionaires? Owen Frost is a begrudging bake-off judge, and I refuse to let him hate Christmas. The man is overworked, his employees are uninspired, and his life is seriously lacking in yuletide cheer. I want to stuff his stocking with sugary goodness to put him in a very festive mood. Okay, but wait, where is she broke and does he have washboard abs? But I'm not looking for holiday romance, just to spread a little Christmas cheer. After all, Along with being the queen of baking, I am also the princess of bad decision-making, complete with a failing business and a mound of student loan debt. There we are. And sleeping with Owen <laughs> with his washboard abs and big Christmas package would be my worst idea yet. But when he unwraps me like a perfectly decorated Christmas present and says in that deep, sexy voice, can I have another? their taste of your Christmas cookies. Well, let's just say Christmas is coming early this year. <laughs> Tasting her Christmas cookies is a standalone holiday romantic comedy. If you love Christmas desserts, like to laugh out loud at holiday innuendos, and want Santa to put a tall, good-looking guy under your tree, then pick up this full-length steamy romance novel. As you guessed it, there are no cliffhangers, but there is a very happy Christmas ever after. I, d I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> if I... <laughs> oh, my God. It makes me want to get Kindle Unlimited just so I can read these books <laughs> for free just to see. Oh, man. On a scale of 1 to 10, how bad they are. I mean, no offense. Maybe they're good. I don't know. But someone was like, you know what we need? We need Christmas Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> okay, officially moving on from that cookie Christmas nonsense. Christmas Shopaholic by Sophie Kinsella. This came out originally 2020. Oh, this only came out last year. Really? I thought I was a year behind on that. No, wait, that can't possibly be true. Is that true? 
Oh, anyway. Okay, cool. Because uh, I read it last year. And for some reason, I thought it had come out in 2019. Because I literally had it for like a year. I don't know what's happening right now. Anyway. Okay. 464 pages. This technically is part of the Shopaholic series by Sophie Kinsella, which was one of my original um, favorite books of all time. Um, oh, there we go. Okay, yeah, when I clicked hardcover, yeah, it came out October 15th of 2019. <laughs> That's what I thought. Okay. Anyway, um, remember where I was when I picked up my first Shopaholic book, which was actually the third one, Shopaholic Ties the Knot. I did not realize that until I got like 20 pages in whenever I was like, I think this is a series. Uh, I was in high school. Regret nothing though. Uh, did go back and read the first two and I was like, I already know that they're going to get married. <laughs> anyway, um, so the Shopaholic series to me is very near and dear to my heart for as long as I can remember. I mean, like, since then, uh, I have wanted to name a daughter Sophie, and then two of my cousins kind of ruined that dream, but that's beside the point. Um, and I've talked about how much I love Sophie's writing in the first place. Her real name is actually Madeline Wickham. Uh, she also has books under her actual name, but her pen name is Sophie Gansella. Um, so... It, <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to detail this because it was a great Christmas book, but technically it's part of the series, but you could, in theory, read this one as a standalone, I think, and get all of the storylines of it, um, and, it, like, then, you know, you could go back and read the other ones, and it, you would just, like, already pre-know who's all together or not, um, uh, but this was classic classic Becky, uh, Brandon, nay, Bloomwood. Anyway, it reads, "'Tis the season for change, and Becky Brandon, nay, Bloomwood, is embracing it, returning from the States to live in the charming village of Leatherby and working with her best friend Suze in the gift shop of Suze's stately home. Life is good, especially now that Becky takes time every day for mindfulness, even if that only means listening to a meditation tape while hunting down online bargains.' But Becky still adores the traditions of Christmas, her parents hosting, carols playing on repeat, her mother pretending she made the Christmas pudding, and the neighbors coming round for Sherry in their terrible holiday sweaters. Things are looking cheerier than ever, until Becky's parents announce that they're moving to ultra-trendy Shortage, unable to resist the draw of craft beer and smashed avocados, and ask, and ask Becky if she'll host this year. What could possibly go wrong? Becky's sister demands a vegan turkey. Her husband insists that he just wants aftershave. Again. And little Minnie needs a very specific picnic camper. Surely Becky can manage all of this, as well as the surprise appearance of an old boyfriend turned rock star and his pushy new girlfriend, whose motives are far from clear. But as the countdown to Christmas begins and her big-hearted plans take an unexpected turn toward disaster, Becky wonders if chaos will ensue or if she'll manage to bring comfort and joy to Christmas after all. I loved this book. I have read all of the Shopaholics. I cannot wait because this one ends on the cutest little cliffhanger. Um, for the next one, I cannot wait. Um, but the previous few had not been my favorite. Uh, they had moved to America for a while for, uh, Luke's job, uh, which is her husband. And, Things weren't great between Luke and Becky for a while. Uh, Becky, what I love about her is she's so completely genuine, but she's also a big pushover and really overcommits to things and also has a shopping addiction problem. Um, but this felt very classic. She's just trying her hardest to make everyone happy while also like kind of grieving this loss of the fact that this is going to be a different Christmas than she's ever had before. Um, her parents going off to shortage was hysterical. Uh, her and Sue's are back on the same page again, which was great because um, they had sort of had issues also as well in previous books while they were off in America. And um, it, just everyone 
was back felt more connected again my favorite though was that luke was involved so much more in this book than i think any other book and like i love luke brandon as a character but he's always been this sort of elusive like First of all, I want to say there's nothing spicy about these books, um, and there never has been in any of the Sophie Kinsella books. Um, there, it's it would be what you call behind closed doors. So like, you just like mentioned but not talked about at all. Um, so like, you get these moments where you're like, oh, I love Luke Brandon, um, but he's also sort of elusive because he's a businessman and he just he's a very different person from Becky, but they work really well together. But he has this moment in this book where he says, Becky, anything that the Grinch can take isn't Christmas. And I was like, poof, mind blown. That quote alone, I was like, I need to embroider this on a pillow to put out at Christmas time. Anything that the Grinch can steal is not Christmas. Like, Christmas is your family. Christmas is the feeling of happiness and family and warmth and the the singing and the carols and the smells and the baking and all of that. Like, that's what Christmas is. Christmas is the connection. Anything that the Grinch can steal is not Christmas. The tree is not Christmas. The presents are not Christmas. All of those are things that then you associate normally, usually, hopefully, with positive thoughts, like, but it's the putting up the tree. It's getting out the old family decorations. So, like, the tree and, and the ornaments and stuff, that's not Christmas because the Grinch can steal those. But the memories that you have of getting the tree or putting the tree up and putting the ornaments on, that is Christmas. And I was like, whoa, that's wild to me. Like, I've never thought about it like that before, but he is so right but anyway, Becky, you know, takes it over the top as per her use. Uh, we love it, though. I mean, sometimes I just, like, bang my head against the book because I'm like, oh, my God, girlfriend, please stop. You're tiring me. Like, you're tiring me. Why are we doing this? But it's always because she has the absolute best of intentions, never wants to say no to anyone. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my God, when she finds out what her what their daughter Minnie actually wants, on Christmas Eve, she just, like, goes into a panic. It's a whole thing, but then Christmas Day comes. It's just, it's really good. It leaves you with all of the warm fuzzies. I absolutely loved this one, and like I said, the ending has just, oh, the absolute sweetest cliffhanger, and I cannot wait. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm so excited for the next one. Um, hopefully, it will be soon, but anyway, that is Christmas Shopaholic, I, I think it's the ninth book in that series. Uh, and I do highly recommend in normal times to read the whole Shopaholic series because I do love all of them. But they also hold a special place in my heart because of, well, I just remember all the fond memories of being in high school reading them. So anyway, I would also still read that book. So for my guilty pleasure read, I read this every Christmas. Puts, uh, just puts me right in the Christmas spirit. We are talking about historical romance, uh, like, sorry, Julia Quinn, but Lisa Kleypas, for me, is historical romance fiction. This originally came out in 2010. It is only 224 pages. My one complaint is this, this book is not longer because I could have used another 100 pages at least. Now, I picked this book up on a Barnes & Noble, like, 498 table, whatever. Probably in like 2011. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, but maybe 2000. Well, yeah, yeah, like 2011. Uh, or maybe 2010 when it came out. I don't know. Um, I had never heard of the Wallflower series, didn't know Lisa Kleypas at all. I, I had read, I believe. I had read some historical romance at that point with the Pink Carnation books. And I think that might have been why I picked it up. But also, like, it's just a very pretty cover of, well, like, it, it not even, you don't even see the girls. You just see, like, the the Regency era gowns and the and the gloves and stuff. Um, 
but anyway, it's, you know, it was a real tiny book. I was like, oh, that maybe I'll start reading Christmas, you know, little Christmas books at Christmas time, whatever. Anyway, it reads, with her trademark charm, sensuality, and unforgettable characters, there's no one like Lisa Lee. Lisa Claypus, to make you believe in the magic of Christmas. The Wallflowers are four young ladies in London who banded together in their wild and wicked, wo wickedly wonderful searches for true love. Now happily married, they join together once again to help one of the world's most notorious rogues realize that happiness might be right under the mistletoe. It's Christmas time in London, and Rafe Bowman has arrived from America for his arranged meeting with Natalie Blanford, the very proper and beautiful daughter of Lady and Lord Blanford. His chiseled good looks and imposing physique are sure to impress the lady-in-waiting, and if it weren't for his shocking American ways and wild reputation, her hand would already be guaranteed. Before the courtship can begin, Rafe realizes he must learn the rules of London society. But... When four former wallflowers try their hand at matchmaking, no one knows what will happen, and winning a bride turns out to be more complicated than Rafe Bowman anticipated, especially for a man accustomed to getting every anything he wants. However, Christmas works in the most unexpected ways, changing a cynic to a romantic and inspiring passion in the most timid of hearts. This book, Rafe and Hannah, I'm sorry, it's, it has nothing to do with Natalie. Um, oh, Miss Appleton. So... Uh, Natalie's cousin is her, um, like, chaperone friend, companion girl. Um, not a lady-in-waiting or anything like that. Uh, she just is, is her friend, and they, um, pay her, <laughs> and they're cousins. Uh, Hannah comes from a less-to-do family than Natalie's part of the family. Uh, so... Hannah gets sent off by Natalie's father to go meet with Rafe and his sister Lillian, who is married to an Earl. Oh my god. I just love all of... I really have a hard time between picking my favorite wallflower husband. Uh, no offense to Swift, Matthew Swift, but, uh, like, I love him, but he's, he, you know, yeah, he's very solidly number four. Um... You know, we have Simon Hunt and Annabelle from the first book, and we have uh, Lord Westcliff with Lillian in the second, and then we have, uh, we have Sebastian St. Vincent, oh, with Evie in the third one. I, I really, I really love him. And then I think, then I think I love the Earl. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I also really love Simon. Anyway, not the point. Uh, so... Hannah gets sent off to meet with Lillian and Rafe, and um, Annabelle and Evie are also there. Daisy, Lillian's sister, and also so Rafe's sister, uh, is not there yet. She and Matthew um, are still setting up their home at the current time. So, because uh, Matthew works with uh, the three's father, uh, and he's a terrible person. Um and the girls, Evie and Annabelle, are both British, and Lillian is also a very brass uh, American, and, uh, but she's a little more polished now. Um, but Annabelle and Evie try to school Ray from the start. They're like, you, you have to impress Miss Appleton. Like, if you are not nice to her, um, you know, it's never going to work out. Uh, you know, like, you gotta, okay, like, just, just be on your best behavior. And Lillian's like, seriously, be on your best freaking behavior, okay? Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Uh, Hannah shows up, and Rafe is immediately, like, taken by her. She is a, a little frumpy, um, you know, because she's not meant to have nice clothes. I mean, she has okay clothes, but, like, she's not meant for all of this, because, you know, that's her cousin, Natalie. And he just kind of sets off to provoke her because he can tell that she does not like him. And he offers to walk her out to the carriage uh, after everything's over. And he ends up kissing her. <laughs> and and he, he's like, oh, okay, this is a problem because I didn't, like, I didn't mean to, like, kiss or kiss her. Um, I just love this book so much. Rafe... Uh, we find out, like, the horrible things that his father did to him. Um, at the, and there's one point he gives Hannah this little soldier. And that's when we find out that, like, 
his father wouldn't let him be around anyone. And so all he had were these little soldiers to play with until his father took them. And he must have kept that one. It was so cute. Um, yeah, it's so cute. Now, I mean, it's historical romance, so it is spicy. Uh, but I mean, you already knew that as soon as I said historical romance. But this book is just adorable. I love it. I read it and then I immediately went and read all four Wallflower books in very quick succession. And then there's also another one that's like a prequel called Again the Magic. And I don't know why. I mean, I know it's a prequel, uh, so it's not technically in the Wallflower series. But um, the Earl is in it. So he's in it and like his terrible mother's in it uh, and it's about his sister uh but it's not technically a wallflower book but i i also really love that one too but like i, I could just use more wallflower books i could use that being turned into a shondaland show honestly in my opinion um yeah so a wallflower christmas you do not have to read the others in order to get it um It'll just make you love all the other characters more. And again, it's really, it's 224 pages. It's a super fast read. And it just, it's just cute. It's just historical romance fluff. I love it. This is a non-chiclet romance book actually written by a man. Uh, one of the few books actually that I've read written by a man. But it is... The book premise of one of my favorite Christmas movies, Christmas with the Cranks, it is called Skipping Christmas by John Grisham. It came out in 2010. It is 256 pages. And I mean, if you've ever seen Christmas with the Cranks, then you know exactly what the plot line is of the book. But if you don't, it says, imagine a year without Christmas. No crowded malls, no corny office parties, no fruitcakes, no unwanted presents. That's just what Luther and Nora Crank have in mind when they decide that, just this once, they'll skip the holiday altogether. Theirs will be the only house on Hemlock Street without a rooftop frosty. They won't be hosting their annual Christmas Eve bash. They aren't even going to have a tree. They won't need one, because come December 25th, they're setting sail on a Caribbean cruise. But as this weary couple is about to discover, skipping Christmas brings enormous consequences and isn't half as easy as they'd imagine. In classic tale from modern times, skipping Christmas offers a hilarious look at the chaos and frenzy that have become part of our holiday tradition. I loved this book. Well, I, I, bought, I got the book because I loved Christmas with the Cranks. It's one of my staple holiday classic movies. Um, and I was really happy that the book and the movie, like, go hand in hand. Because, like, finding out that Under the, like, Under the Tuscan Sun is another one of my absolute favorite movies of all time. I can quote that movie. Reading the book, I was like, Oof. I don't, I definitely did not even finish that book. And I, I was like, how did you get this movie script from this book? Uh, it just did not make sense for me. Same with, uh, not, a, it, well, it's definitely the same, but uh, the literary, uh, no, the Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, or the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, uh, which is a Netflix movie. Um I loved that movie. Watched it like three times the week that it came out. I was obsessed and found out it was a book. And I was like, oh, I have to get this book. Thankfully, I did get the book from the library first. And again, it was another one of those. I'm like, I don't understand how we got such a great movie. And this was the book. Um, so yeah, loved that Skipping Christmas went hand in hand like I mean the script for Christmas with the Cranks and Skipping Christmas pretty much um the same very very few uh differences to it love it 256 pages again you can read it super fast which is you know like no offense but you know like depending on when you're gonna read it you only have so many days. Like, you have so many things to do at Christmas time. Uh, but it's a great way to get you in the Christmas spirit and then, you know, also watch Christmas with the Cranks. Like, I am Vic Fromeyer. <laughs> I am Vic Fromeyer. Like, the spirit of Christmas. But also, like, I have a domineering will to make everyone celebrate Christmas the way I want them to. Um, but also, like, Nora Crank with her little turtlenecks <laughs> and best. One time I said... To my friend Megan, I said, I cannot wait until I'm at an appropriate age where I can dress like this for Christmas. 
And she said, and I quote, Sarah, I don't even let my mom dress like that now. Megan, I hate to tell you, but I did buy a print. <laughs> I did buy a printed turtleneck today. <laughs> and the thrift store is red and it's little penguins on it. <laughs> and I thought of you. And I cannot wait to wear it. And then put that up there. I'm so excited. <laughs> anyway, love that book. Love that movie. Highly recommend. Finishing off this podcast quickly with, well, technically four books. Um... Well, no, I guess three books. Uh, I have them on my, like in a pile up here and they've been sitting here for two years now. This is what happens when before I decided like getting into a thing where like I had to read the books that I was getting from the library because they would be due back and I wanted to be intentional. Um, these all stem from books that were then made into Hallmark movies and I loved the Hallmark movies so I got the books and yet I have not read the books yet. The first is Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe by Melissa de la Cruz. She is also the author to the Descendants series. Um, just so you know, because at first I did not realize that. And I was like, oh man. It reads Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe from New York Times bestselling author Melissa de la Cruz is a sweet, sexy, and hilarious gender swapping, genre satisfying retelling set in contemporary America and featuring one snooty Miss Darcy. Darcy Fitzwilliam is 29, beautiful, successful, and brilliant. She dates hedge funders and basketball stars and is never without her three cell phones, one for work, one for play, and one to throw at her assistant. Just kidding. Darcy's never fallen in love, never has time for anyone else's drama, and never goes home for Christmas if she can help it. But when her mother falls ill, she comes home to Pemberley, Ohio, to spend the season with her family. Her parents throw their annual Christmas bash where she meets one Luke Bennett, the smart, sardonic slacker son of their neighbor. Luke is 32 years old and has never left home. He's a carpenter and makes beautiful furniture and is content with his simple life. He comes from a family of five brothers, each one less ambitious than the other. When Darcy and Luke fall into bed after too many eggnogs, Darcy thinks it's just another... What the... Okay, anyway. Darcy thinks it's just another one-night stamp, but why can't she stop thinking of Luke? What is it about him? And can she fall in love or will pride and his prejudice against big city girls stand in their way? This is absolutely nothing like the Hallmark. Did I not actually read the full description when I picked up this book? Yo, <laughs> I must not have. Uh, I mean, I'm literally staring at, I'm staring at this book in this pile right now. I'm like, I need to read this book because... I'm absolutely flabbergasted right now. Um, I have to admit, I picked up this book finally to read last year, read the first couple of pages, could not get into Darcy's character. In the Hallmark movie, she's played by Lacey Chabert, which I love, and uh, Luke is played by Brendan Penny, and I love him. Um, and he is a, I don't think he's a carpenter. I think he's a baker. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a baker in the movie. Uh, and he's definitely not a slacker. They definitely didn't sleep together in the movie. I am, I am rethinking a lot of things right now. Um, yeah, so may, I guess I'm going to have to give this one another try. I, I, how Hallmark was like, hey, you know what, uh, you know what we're going to do? Uh... <laughs> We're going to take this and then uh, we're going to make it uh, a PG. We're just going to keep it G, actually. <laughs> Lastly, and this is also based off of Hallmark movies. Now, the movie is a, is a trilogy series. Um, I have the first two put together by, and this is the Finding Father Christmas trilogy from Hallmark Movies and Mysteries with Aaron Krakow and Niall Mater. Obsessed. Love. Uh, the books are written by Robin Jones Gunn. And you can find on Amazon the first two, Finding Father Christmas and Engaging Father Christmas, are in one book. So I bought that. Um, still have not really cracked it open to read. But then it says frequently bought together. And I'm very confused 
because the other book is called Kissing Father Christmas, which is the third book, and the movie is Marrying Father Christmas, so marrying and kissing, two very different things. Uh, but for the first two, it says, In Finding Father Christmas, Miranda Carson's search for her father leads her unexpectedly to London with only a few feeble clues as to who he might be. Immediately welcomed into a family that doesn't recognize her and whom she quickly's, quick, who, whom she's quickly coming to love, she faces a terrible decision. Should she reveal her true identity and destroy their idyllic image of her father? Or should she carry the truth home with her to San Francisco and remain alone in this world? Whatever choice she makes during this London Christmas will forever change the future for both herself and the family she can't bear to leave. So first big huge difference is that the book is set in London and... The movies are definitely not. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you're pretty similar. Um, in the movie, Aaron Krakow's mother is a ballerina, opera singer, one of the two, I think ballerina, and is performing uh, The Nutcracker. It's got to be the Nutcracker. She's performing some... Man, has it been like two years since I've seen that movie? Uh, so it's not Amazon Prime. This was before I had the friendly TV app to watch Hallmark Movies and Mysteries. And now, like last year, they never had those movies on. And I don't understand why. Um, because I loved Aaron and Niles' chemistry together. I thought they worked really well. Um, anyway, her mother, as, when she's a child, her mother collapses, dies, like, on stage, basically. And her father had never been present. She didn't really know anything. Uh, then she finds this box of stuff and, uh, like, there's this man within the thing. So she goes to the town because she's trying to figure out if that is her father, but he had passed away. Um, and then Niall, it ends up helping her because she stays at the, um, she stays in an inn that his parents run. Uh, loved it. In Engaging Father Christmas, the book says Miranda Carson can't wait to return to England for Christmas and to be with her boyfriend, Ian. She has spent a lifetime yearning for a place to call home, and she's sure Carlton Heath will be it, especially when a hinted ad engagement ring slips into the conversation. But Miranda's high hopes for a jolly Christmas with the small circle of people she has come to love are toppled when Ian's father is hospitalized and the matriarch of the Whitcomb family withholds her blessing. What? From Miranda questions run you you guys would think that i would have read the synopsis of these books before i got them i did not questions run rampant in miranda's mind about whether she really belongs to this cheery corner of the world then when her true identity excuse me oh threatens all her relationships in unanticipated ways miranda is certain all is lost and yet maybe father christmas has special gifts in store for her after all um yes so carlton heath Okay, so they kept the city name between the book and the movie. Um, Ian's father does fall ill. Uh, there's no withholding of the blessing, though, because they love Aaron's character. Um, uh, Miranda. And uh, he actually proposes, um, like, he dresses up as Santa and he gets her to dress up as Mrs. Claus. And then he proposes. I was like, if he's not proposing on a sleigh, I don't want it. Um, or maybe he proposes on the sleigh beforehand before, yeah, maybe they do. Anyway, um, there is, though, something different that threatens them in that one because of her identity. Uh, because her father had turned out to be a famous actor, um, yeah. Wow. Man, I'm really gonna, I'm just staring at these two books over here in this pile. Like, man, I really got to get to these. Now, <coughs> oh, sorry, inhale, inhale too big here. In the third one, the book title is Kissing Father Christmas. The movie is Marrying Father Christmas. I think they all came out in 2016. Um, it says... Well, wait a minute. Oh, okay. Well, this has not. What? Okay. Anyway, I do not have this book. So I've not, I have not seen it before this moment. It says 
Anna's first visit to Carlton Heath in England was last May for the wedding of her cousin Ian to Miranda. The beautiful event ended with the dance under the stars and Anna receiving an unexpected kiss from Peter, the groomsman who caught her eye and now holds her heart. Now at the invitation of family and friends, Anna is returning to Carlton Heath for Christmas. She has Peter's recent email to fill her with assurance that he's looking forward to seeing her again as well. More than his brief words, though, the vivid memory of their unforgettable kiss provides a promise of more to come. Anna, ever the imaginative artist, has been busy painting a romantic conclusion to her holiday visit. Certainly, she's not the only one who has been dreaming of another dance and another kiss. But when she sees Peter again, his intentions seem to shift as speedily as the blustery winter weather. Is Anna's heart misleading her, or will Father Christmas bestow on her the gift of love for which she has long dreamed? Well, I'm... Sure, sure, sure. Um, I mean, absolutely none of, um, so I guess we just made a third movie, even though there was no story for it. Um, huh, interesting. Um, yeah, anyway, those, so technically those are three books. It's, it's two, but it's three stories, I guess, uh, that I... I definitely need to get around to reading this year. <laughs> definitely. I need to get on this because I'm, I'm still just thinking about how they sleep together in Pride, Prejudice, and Mistletoe. Oh, I wonder if Lacey and Brendan just happened to pick up that book at any point in time before they shot it. Although I learned a really interesting fact that, like, basically they shoot Christmas movies in three weeks, which is wild. Like, 16-hour like days for three weeks. I mean, it's like a set formula at this point, but that's crazy. I guess I will say one last thing before I hop off of this podcast. The December book club pick for Sackbun Studios is already decided. It will be The Twelve Dates of Christmas by Jenny Bayliss. This book came out last year, 368 pages. I bought this book and then just could not read it in time. And then somehow I didn't realized that I had bought it and so I bought it again or I didn't realize that I'd already had one in my cart so I added it again so I got sent two so I brought Jen a copy when I saw her in Boston last week so or two weeks ago now my god that's already almost been two weeks ago wow time is flying everyone so anyway we both already have the December book club pick it's great it reads, when it comes to relationships, 34-year-old Kate Turner is ready to say bah humbug. The sleepy town of Blexford, England isn't exactly brimming with prospects. And anyway, Kate's found fulfillment in her career as a designer and in her delicious side job baking for her old friend Matt's Neighborhood Cafe. But then her best friend signs her up for a dating agency that promises to help singles find love before the holidays. 23 days until Christmas. 12 dates with 12 different men. The odds must finally be in her favor, right? Yet with each new date more disastrous than the one before, and with the whole town keeping tabs on her misadventures, Kate must remind herself that sometimes love, like mistletoe, shows up where it's least expected. And maybe, just maybe, it's been right under her nose all along. Heard many good things about this last year. Cannot wait to read it. Um, have been waiting to get around to it. And on that note, I another series that I really want to get to this year. Oh my god, I got too many books to read. Um, Mistletoe and Mr. Wright. Now this actually says Moose Springs, Alaska Book 2 by Sarah Morgenthaler. Where was the first one? I think uh, was the tourist attraction, maybe. I think that one might have been the first one. Um, but those also have, like, been taking up room in my mind of, like, I really want to get around to those books. Um So, yeah, anyway, I have, I have lots to, I have lots to read, and... Lots to watch. It's going to be totally fine. We're going to pencil everything in. I've already got calendars made up. They are color-coded. So we are all good. On that note, I'm going to get out of here so that I can finish up the holiday swap. I'm very excited. I will probably be staying up until past midnight because now it is 11 p.m. You know, those cookie books definitely just threw me for a loop there. Um, yeah, anyway. 
Anyway, until next week with the October wrap-up podcast, and maybe before that podcast or after that podcast, there will be a bonus episode. You know what? I'm so close to catching up. I got to make two more bonus episodes while also having original content for every week to make my goal of one podcast a week after I fell behind a couple times. You know what? We're making it through. We're going to do it. But I can't decide if it's either going to be a bonus podcast or just like an original regular podcast uh, for my favorite Christmas movies by category. Because I cannot pick just one. Like, there's not one. Like, I've got Hallmark. I have Claymation. I have, like, Oldies. I have New Age. Like, I've got, I just, there's a plethora that we need to discuss. And, like, I just found out that my chiropractor has never seen White Christmas. And I am shocked and appalled. He's also never seen The Year Without a Santa Claus. And, again, I, I'm like, sir... You fix my neck every week, every other week, and, uh, like, you're right down the street, and it's great and all, but, um, I don't know if I can continue to come here if you, uh, don't know who he, miser, and snow miser are. Like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh, so anyway, at least until next week, definitely with the October Wrap-Up Podcast, remember, there are no bad hair days. I will see you guys next week.